0: Welcome to the Honest Recruiter Podcast, powered by MRL Consulting Group, the no filter podcast about working in the recruitment industry. Hear about real life consultants and business owners talking about everything recruitment, leaving out zero detail. If you already work in recruitment or are thinking about working in recruitment, sit back and enjoy the ride. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the sixth Honest Recruiter Podcast. Now, today is a very special podcast. Because we have Mr. David Stone, who is our chief executive, chief, our chief executive here at MRL Consulting. Now today's podcast is slightly different. It's all about working in recruitment, being a company owner, the mistakes, how to be successful, and kind of kind of rounding it all up into one fun half an hour pack podcast with David Stone. So, David, before we start, we say this to all our guests. Think of it a little bit like Blind Date, so I'm Silla Black, so give me a bit of an intro about yourself.
1: Hi Billy, Uh, thank you very much for having me here today. Okay, quick intro about myself, and I'll try not to be too boring and long-winded, is 48 years old, been with MRL since inception back in 1997. Career recruiter since leaving university, married uh, with five children. Nice, that's quick. Bash, bash, bash. So why did you get into recruitment? Simple, really. I'd left uni with tons of debt. I had a brilliant time at uni. I had so much fun. Um, did all the, the high jinks that you would you would hope to do at university. And subsequently came home to Brighton with tons and tons of debt. Didn't really have any particular career direction or, or idea what I wanted to do with my life. So I was applying for just about any ad which said fresh grad wanted. And this ranged from working in financial services to working in retail to one day when I saw an ad for trainee recruitment consultant for a company up in Rygate. Uh, I didn't know anything about recruitment. And this is in the days pre-internet. So I went down the careers library, tried to read up on it. There was very little information available. Uh, but the thing that had attracted me about the ad is most of the kids I graduated with were going off to become trainee chartered accountants on about eleven or £12,000 pounds salaries at the time. And the ad for the trainee recruiter said on-target earnings 25000 Oh, wow. So twice what the trainee accountants were going to be getting. And because I've left uni with this substantial amount of debt, I thought, wow, I need to get that job. So I went up to the interview in Rygate, not really knowing very much about what was involved in recruitment, and uh, fortunately said the right things and got the job. So how, I guess back then, it
0: was very different to what it is now.
1: Well, yeah, there, there were no computers on the desks, for starters. It was very much card boxes, telephones, pads of paper and phone directories and literally pick up the phone and make calls relentlessly day and day out. There was no such thing as email. So there's no CRM? At all. There's no database? You, your CRM or your database, as it was, was card files. Right. Okay. <laughs> and it was literally, right, pick you, call switchboard. Well, you, you start phoning through companies looking for vacancies is typically what we were doing. In that job, it was recruiting sales salespeople, sales professionals in any discipline across the southeast. So you'd be phoning up companies across the UK, finding out if they were hiring salespeople in the southeast. And once you've got a vacancy on, you'd then be looking to match it against the candidates who had previously registered with your company.
0: So when did you go, Oh, actually, I quite like this. And, you know, I'm
1: actually quite good at it. I loved it immediately right right from the off yes i can still remember my very first recruitment phone call this was this was old school okay so the the training environment was minimal i think i had about half an hour maybe one hour maximum training in a back office about how to make a cold call (laughs) and then given a desk and a phone and a pad of paper and told to get on with it and i can still remember my very first call that i made but hey i didn't die um nothing the world didn't stop turning and subsequently it got much easier and very enjoyable. And I loved it, I loved it immediately. Straight away, I knew that recruitment was the right job for me. Regarding being good at it, I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm honestly I'm not sure I would ever say I was that good at it. I loved it from the off. But I've been fortunate that I've always been surrounded by very, very good recruiters, experts, world-class people and people who are infinitely better than me. And it's a constant process of learning and improvement. You're never the finished item. There's always more to learn. And I've had this in every environment I've ever worked in, trying to learn and steal the best ideas off of other people, and then impart them on to others. And what I've I've subsequently found uh, is here at MRL, some of the people who had zero recruitment experience that I trained originally have now gone on to become infinitely better than I could ever be in the terms of international search-based recruitment and it's it's, it's, it's quite a weird experience in a way because you're thinking hey I trained that guy but he's yeah. now twice as good as I ever could have been but it's a beautiful feeling when that happens. It's yeah. that feel-good factor isn't it? Exactly. exactly right. So was
0: there someone like really
1: early days that you were like they made you that great recruiter? Okay so Austin Ben, my very first recruitment job that was phone clattering and that just taught you to get on the phones and Put through punishing numbers, of course. It was 120 cold calls a day and don't go home till you've hit your target sort of thing. My next job was at PSD where they taught me international niche tech retained search type recruitment. That's a big jump, isn't it? Yeah. It's okay. Recruitment is recruitment is recruitment. But it was a very different type and flavor of recruitment. And that's where I really found my feet. And I was surrounded there. This was PSD back in the mid-90s in Lewis as they were. And there were some absolutely brilliant people working there. And whether it was somebody like Richard Goddard, who, who was one of the standout performers in the whole company, or my line manager, Julie Gilpin, who was fierce, harsh, Northern Irish, and very, very fair. <laughs> and, and, uh, and and she I was a bit of a handful back in those days, and she had her work cut out for her. But, hey, um, she made me a lot better at doing the job that I do. Um, and... I'd always hold people like that as standard examples. Yeah. Why were you a handful? Oh, I was just classic. Lad. Mouthy. <laughs> Thought I knew everything. Cocky little git, really. Right. It took me a few years to realise it. It took me a few years to realise it and to moderate my, 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 my style and how I behaved in office environment. Um, but I did used to cause myself a few headaches by frankly being a little bit outspoken because part of the time I'd, I'd, I'd be saying things just to see the reaction just for the lols right. and actually when you, when you look at it you think well that's not necessarily cool it's not necessarily clever mm. and it took me a little bit of time to, to stabilise in that respect but um One of the guys I've got working with me here now at MRL, Terry Hiscock, he was my line manager for a period at PSD, and I'd give him great credit for getting me in line and and making me the person I am today, because he he did certainly round out a lot of the rough edges and got me to behave in a much better way in a corporate environment um, before I left that company.
0: So when you went to PSD then, you obviously gone from, like you said, phone bashing constantly to then more international hiring stuff. Yeah. Getting to the nitty gritty bits, when did you kind of go, oh shit, I've really messed up? Yeah. Because that happens. I think it everyone, does. A lot of people listening just want to know when people have messed up and how they've learned from it.
1: Yeah, okay. I would say, if I was, if I was to write my... Memoirs. My, <laughs> my major muck up, early doors in recruitment. At PSD, when I was a rookie, the PSD environment was you were pushed very, very hard to sell retained search above anything else. Yes, we did contingent. Yes, we did avatar selection. But you were pushed to sell retained search above all else. And I got myself into a situation where there was a smallish company in the UK and I sold a retained search for six positions, six relatively low-level positions based across the UK. And frankly, I should never have done that. (laughs) My manager shouldn't have let me or encouraged me to sell that search. Because once I'd landed it, It was an absolute world of pain. I was going to say, yeah. And I spent weeks and weeks stressed to bits. The client wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. My manager wasn't happy. But hey, we'd had an 18 grand up front. So super duper for that month's figures. But then that was just followed by weeks and weeks of pain. And, And it taught me a massive lesson there. Yeah, and now at MRL, I will never push someone to sell a search if it's not the right solution. Yeah. yeah? Like and you said, you've got to re-deliver on those results, yeah. haven't you? You're only hero for the day you put the, the upfront through. And then you've got to go and do the delivery. That's when the hard work begins. And if you've sold a search for the wrong job, it's a flipping nightmare. Mm. And that was probably my worst experience in recruitment. Is And I made that mistake, in a way, fortunately, early on, because I learned from it very quickly, is it's like the golf club analogy. You've got a bag of clubs... Which club do you pull out to, pay, to play which shot? And the retained search club is not always the correct club to pull out of the bag. And that, that's the what I'd say. Yes, it was my mistake having sold it and won it. But equally, I would say I shouldn't have been encouraged or pushed to have sold it and won it that time. Um, because it wasn't good for anybody. And I think, in the end of it, yeah, we filled most of the job, most of the six jobs. Not all of them, but we filled most of them. But it wasn't a happy relationship with the client. I don't think any of us came out of that particularly well. Just sweating every day at work.
0: Exactly right. Trying to find these people, which yeah. didn't really... And as well, no internet, really. Oh, no, no, no. There wasn't, so no, there it's wasn't, not like you this go, is on,
1: go on LinkedIn and just do a load of searches. This is pre-internet. <laughs> you were uh, getting phone directories and phoning around looking for field sales engineers in Cornwall or in Northumberland or wherever these jobs were based. It was an absolute flippin' nightmare. There were no candidates on the database. Um, yeah, okay.
0: So do you find that you, pre-internet, it was... It was a lot harder to build relationships,
1: and you no. you earned your
0: craft better doing it that way. Or? You learn
1: your craft better. Absolutely, you learn your craft better. You had to be on the phone. You yeah, it wasn't harder to make relationships. In in a way, if anything, it's easier to make a relationship. You make a much better relationship on the phone than you ever will with email. Email is the lazy default option for many people in modern recruitment, and I think it is poor recruitment. I think it's sloppy recruitment to live on email. You
0: hide behind it, don't
1: you? Yeah, the phone is brilliant. It's instant results. You can't sell on email, you can't negotiate on email, not properly anyway, Yeah, but you build relationships on the phone, and it's during these relationships that then you will increase your knowledge, you'll get given leads, referrals, names of other people, etc, etc. The phone wins every single time.
0: So obviously, jumping forward then, what made you kind of go, you know what, I'm done kind of working for a company, I kind of now want to look at being brought in and doing it myself, kind of where the whole, I can do this on my own? Because a lot of people go, I'm making really good money in recruitment, I'll just stay doing it, or do I risk and do it on
1: my own? Yeah, okay, so again, two and a half years into the journey at PSD, and I wasn't the best recruiter in the world, I wasn't the worst, I was doing reasonably well in the sectors I was uh, that were allocated to me, and there was another chap on myself who became quite good friends over the back doorstep cigarette at five o'clock sort of thing. And we both had ideas about how things could be done better, how things could be done differently, how you could knock out a lot of the red tape and bureaucracy and petty politics that existed at PSD back in those days. PSD was a brilliant company for training and development, but unfortunately it was shot to pieces with, like I say, petty politics, bureaucracy, red tape, and some other some other things besides. And um, And Paul and I thought, you know what? Recruitment's brilliant, but you don't need all this baggage. Right. You can do recruitment wearing a pair of jeans. You don't need to shave every day and wear a suit every day. You don't need to sit in a stuffy office with a tie on, etc. And so we just thought, come on, let's go, let's go. We, we we got a tiny office in central Brighton, got some phones and got on with it. Yeah. Why do you think people fail at setting up on their own? It's hard. I think it's really hard. Recruitment is a difficult job and it's relentless, the pressure is relentless every day, week, month, year, it's never-ending and the thing is good recruiters make it look easy but it's a bit like the old um, duck analogy, you know, it all looks calm on the surface but underneath the water there's furious action going on and I think good recruiters are guilty of doing that, it looks dead easy Yeah. yeah. how they can become brilliant superstar multi-hundred thousand pound billers, but actually It's a flipping hard job, and running a company, okay, anyone can go and set up a desk, a one-man desk, that's not necessarily that hard. Building and growing the company is when you you get into a different world of pain, yeah? It is hard to build and grow a recruitment company. Now, possibly, I've been guilty in the past of downplaying that and making it look or sound easier than actually it has been. And I think a lot of people think, oh, I could do that. And then you watch them you, you, you watch them walk into this world of pain and I've kept in touch with a few people who have gone and done it over the years and most of them have said, Jesus, it's it's cold outside. It's that whole it's that photo of the iceberg,
0: isn't it, where you have the success and then underneath is the failures
1: yeah. or the people that but left. People and, and particularly, you know, the British stiff upper, stiff upper lip thing, we don't talk about all that generally. No. We talk about the good times and the jollies and the fun and all the rest of it and people think, oh, that's dead easy. Set up a company, get on the phone, hire a bunch of people, I'll be a millionaire. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well, people like the idea of going on their own because
0: they are billing all this money and they're like well I'm not seeing it all but then they don't think about things like the finance department the back office which are doing so much of that work for yeah, them exactly. and I think some other recruitment companies don't have that luxury of they have an ops team that do all that ops stuff I think that the really fortunate position we have compared to some people recruiters they all they do is recruitment and with the real basic bits of admin that needs to be done. Yeah. Everything else, the back office a machine.
1: Team. It's like here at MRL. We've got an absolute machine behind people. And whether it's a dedicated IT manager, our ops director who's bulletproof, uh, finance uh, finance and admin department, we've got a brilliant marketing manager. Um, all, all the support you could possibly need and want. And my idea here is I will take... All the problems I possibly can off of a recruiter's desk to let them focus on what they're good at, which hopefully is getting on the phone to clients and candidates, making relationships, and making things move. Everything else is taken care of for you. So, how do you think people can be
0: successful in today's age? Because the stats are: there's what is it, four thousand, like each year pop up or something yeah. in the UK yeah. new recruitment companies. Yeah. Some of them one man bands, or some are an office of ten.
1: What do you think it really takes to be successful doing recruitment? Standard, I don't think it changes over the years, it's hard graft, um, empathy, ability, the ability to suck up and take a ton of pressure every single day without letting it overwhelm you, don't take yourself too seriously, nobody walks on water, if you make mistakes that's fine, hold your hands up, admit it, learn from it, move forward. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's changed over the years, to be honest, not with the modern developments and technology. The modern te- technology, like LinkedIn and Monster and what have you, in some ways it's made the job easier, in some ways it's made the job a lot harder as well. I think it's helped to reach people. If we look at email campaigns yeah. or
0: event marketing, there's no way you're picking up the phone to call all these people versus an email blast out to 100 targeted people. You then get the leads and click it and it makes it so much different. Okay, so if we look at... Obviously, there's some very successful people at MRL across all three of the offices. Yeah. Why the standout people, why do you
1: think they are successful? I'd say there's a common theme throughout this, which is they are absolutely passionate about what they do. And you put the money aside. I think this is a bit of a misnomer. A lot of people say, hey, get into a recruitment. you can make tons of money. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is and if you really want to make a successful career in recruitment it's not just making big bucks okay the money is a byproduct of doing the job well if you do the job well it's a beautiful thing right you're helping candidates get better jobs improve their lives earn more money you're helping clients solve complex hiring problems you're and you're in the middle of all this making things happen and that's a brilliant feeling. When you've got a candidate, his dream job, when you've solved a client's requirement that's been open 12 months and the client's been pulling his hair out and stressed to bits, and you found them, one of three people in the world who can actually do that job and he's joining their company and they're, they're going to sleep tonight, finally. Um, and that's a beautiful feeling. Yeah, you get the money. The money's a by of all that, yeah? I don't think people who just do recruitment for the money stick around that long because of the pressure and the pain. Um, but if you are good at it and you love what you do, then yeah, the money and the upside is great. But the greater satisfaction, I always think, and it's it's not just some cheesy soundbite, I think the greater pleasure comes from doing what you do, as in making people's lives better, making companies more successful. What's been a big highlight for you then over the
0: years to go, you know what, that's so, not even like monetary in terms of just kind of that feel-good factor, in terms of looking at the company and going, you know what, that's brilliant, that.
1: I get a lot of my pleasure and satisfaction in the job from watching the development of young people we've hired who came with no recruitment background or knowledge whatsoever, and they then, with our training and support, turn into being genuinely world-class recruiters. And I've had demanding clients describe some of my people as being world-class recruiters. And there's a real joy and satisfaction I personally take from that, and knowing that I played a small part in that person's development and journey and now they are brilliant at what they do. They're earning great money. They're living very, very good lives. They're buying nice houses, sending their kids to good schools, etc., etc., all those things. And I can't take credit, or not total credit for it, because they've had to put the hard work in. But I get a, I can I can take a small smidge of credit, yeah. because I played a part in that journey. And that's really where I get my kicks. So, the, obviously, there's all certain different profiles
0: that people look for. A lot of people say it's down to mindset. When hiring internally for us, for MRL, are there kind of key profiles that you will now look for in kind of today's kind of climate? Mm.
1: Okay, so, yeah, experienced recruiters are always going to be of interest, of course they are. But apart from that, I'm quite eclectic, really. And I can genuinely say, I don't care, male, female, black, white, gay, straight, Muslim, Christian, I don't care, I really don't care. Is who you are and what you can do for the business and what i'm always looking for with people there's a few key themes that come out one is it's a bit like if you're specking a new laptop with dell you're going to want a super fast processor you, your brain needs to spin at a massive rate of knots okay you need a really good processor and you need tons and tons of retentive memory of ram basically. You've got to be able to recall conversations, facts and details from people you spoke to two, three, five, seven years ago with instant recall. Those people generally make more successful recruiters. And one of the other key attributes we look for is people who are basically inherently nosy and inquisitive. They always, why did you move from this company to that company? Why did you take that job? Why did you go to that university XYZ? Those people, again, generally make better recruiters. The, the, The innate nosiness that comes. So if you're built like a Dell computer and a nosy, work MRL? <laughs> <laughs> you probably do quite well, you? you probably would. And you know there's a whole bunch of other stuff, Yeah, work ethic and empathy and listening ability and all the rest of it. But the main things I'd say, yeah, really fast processor, tons of memory and um, a relatively nosy and inquisitive manner about you. Yeah. What makes MRL different to other recruiters in Brighton? Because it's a big crowd just to kind of stand out from. Difficult to say. Uh, I've been here 21 years and I haven't been in any of the companies in Brighton. Um, I've heard from having interviewed loads of people over the years, our culture here is slightly different in as much as that nobody here takes themselves too seriously. I, I, I can't abide, the, if you forgive the phrase, the big swing and dick sort of ego that you got on some sales. I was like Those people wouldn't, wouldn't work out here. I don't hire people like that. I don't like them. Um, we've got quite a mature environment, in, in, environment. by mature, uh, and it's been described as that by many people over the years. And at first I used to think, oh, you just mean old, because I'm like, getting on a bit. <laughs> but um, what, what I think that actually meant is, it's a grown up environment. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, nobody takes himself too seriously. Nobody walks on. They're a decent bunch of people. And here at Emerald, we've got a great mix. We've got... Um, the youngest consultants is about 21 the oldest is about 58 59 there's a good mix of grads and non-grads but what they are is career recruiters who do the job for the right reason and they take it very seriously yeah I, I, from
0: coming in 8 months ago the first thing you realize is wow it's such a diverse
1: group you yeah. know male female age really it really healthy. is yeah because everyone's learning off of each other and we're always when, when we get new joiners whether they from recruitment environments or, or non-recruitment, what good ideas do they have? What what could they add to, to to the blend that we have going on here? What great things have they seen in previous work environments that we could adopt? And whether it's something silly like free fruit or, or something <laughs> far more fundamental to the business, hey, if you've got a, a good idea, let's have it, because I yeah. don't know everything. Okay, two last questions. If you could go back and change anything,
0: what would it be? Anything about just your journey in recruitment is there anything that stands out and be like you know what i'd probably do this different or um i wouldn't i wouldn't set up in brighton i'd set up in london or is or actually you're like you know what now change nothing i'll keep it exactly how
1: it is it's always easy with hindsight yeah everyone's got twenty twenty vision with hindsight and yeah i've made a ton of errors over the years and I've learned most of my lessons the hard way through having made mistakes. And again, when when I hire people, I always say to them, "It's fine to make mistakes. Just learn from them, and don't keep repeating." If you repeat, them, I say that's stupid. Uh, but if you learn from it, hold your hands up and say, "Yeah, cool. I won't do that again." And then fine. That's 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 human nature. That's a learning process. So it's easy to look back now and say, "Oh well, we shouldn't have done ABCXYZ. We shouldn't yeah. have hired that bloke or that lady or whatever." And um, probably, if I had to boil it down to one, I'd say after the dot-com recession we got a bit burned by that when the tech markets went down and when we came out of that we thought hey let's get into a diversified area of investment banking risk audit compliance and we put a lot of time and investment into building MRL financial as she was doing that sort of recruitment in the investment banking market globally and for a brief period um, it made some good money and we opened an office in Dubai and it was all good fun and we thought we were very clever and then Lehman's went bust. And the finance market just fell apart literally overnight, properly overnight. And that was a world of pain, which ended up with us closing the Dubai office and losing a ton of money and blah, blah, blah. And so now, with the benefit of hindsight, to go back and say, stick to the knitting. We're a tech recruitment company. No That's way, no, what yeah. we do. And we do that really, really well. And we can still make a great living, even in recessions, etc. But that sort of chase all the shiny things like a magpie and think you're going to be the next big thing in financial recruitment. It's like, no, nah, no cool your jets stick to what you know and be the best at that Mm. rather than trying to be everything to everyone be your niche
0: exactly own Own your niche own your niche be
1: the dominant be the stand up player in your niche yeah that's far more satisfying than being a bit player in lots of niches
0: yeah I think that's a lot of mistakes a lot of companies do they if a couple of jobs dry up in a certain area, it's like, right, we need to open a new sector. We need to go after a new
1: market, or just yeah. drill and people, down and into and again, those markets. people think it's easy. I'll oh, pick up the phone, Stop phoning pharmaceutical companies next thing, them. I'm a pharmaceutical recruiter. No, you're not, mate. No, you're not. Yeah. You might get lucky here and there. You might make a few... But you're not really that well positioned to give brilliant service to a company. No. Yeah, and this is a service industry. That is paramount. So what
0: one bit of advice would you give... Okay, actually three pieces... So this is the last question we ask people. Like, if they're already, already in recruitment or they're looking
1: to get into it, what would you give them as advice? Okay. If you're looking to get into recruitment, let's take it from that one. First thing I'd say is speak to people. Speak to people working in recruitment at similar jobs and stages to that which you're going into. Um. And not just the upsides, because all recruiters will talk all day long about the company jollies and the drinks and the the beanos to Barcelona and Ibiza and all those. And recruiters are good at partying, generally, right? And everyone's got great stories about that. That's not the reason you get into recruitment. That's not what you should be finding out about. What you want to be asking the recruiters is, what does a bad day look like? What does a bad week or a month or a bad quarter look like? How do you deal with that sort of pressure? How do you get through it and not go nuts? Those are the questions I'd be saying to anyone coming into recruitment. Have brutally honest and open conversations about the bad days and how your company supports you through tough days, right? So that'd be, that'd be one thing. Do your... Next thing would be, do your research speak to people at that company, speak to people who have left that company. What was good about it? What was bad about it? Why did you leave, etc., etc.? What's the management like? Really importantly, if you're coming into recruitment, what's the training like? Every recruitment company out there says that people are their greatest asset and they invest in training. And they don't. Most of them don't. <laughs> Most of them are similar to my first job in recruitment, which is an hour in a back office being told how to make a cold call and then get on the phones. By somebody who doesn't really want to train you anyway. Because yeah. they've got a target on their head. Exactly. Or by somebody who was trained that way 20 years ago and they think that's the only way to do it. And I'm a massive fan of training and developing people, which is why we went and got investors in people. as a So we've got the badge. We can say, not only do we say we're big on training, here's my badge that sort of backs up and validates it. But apart from that, look on Glassdoor. Yeah, now, okay, you get mixed reviews on Glassdoor, but... You'll get a theme whether they're all genuine reviews is hard to tell sometimes but you'll get a theme for a company and that will give you ideas of areas to speak about and investigate further when you go for interview okay and the other thing i'll say to people coming into recruitment to be very mindful of is that yeah it's a great job you can make a lot of money and it, it can be the most satisfying thing in the world genuinely it's a marathon, not a sprint, yeah. and the pressure is relentless, and it will go on year after year, month after month, etc. And be aware of that. You're not just going to come in, start making a hundred grand a year at twenty-one years of age. Which You're not, you, which you can do, and I've seen done many times. Um, but. <laughs> You're not going to just do that and then tick it over year after year after year until you until you retire at forty and go and live on a yacht somewhere. Mm. Yeah, that's unlikely to happen, <laughs> yeah. right? Blue it's, sky days. And and there is pressure. You're dealing with human beings who are fickle by nature. Things do change. People do tell fibs. Yeah, and you've got to be mindful of that and know how you're going to deal with it and adapt to circumstances changing when your biggest client that gave you 300 grand's worth of business last year goes dead overnight and you're like, ouch, now yeah. I'm flapping. How are you gonna deal with that and pick yourself up? Those are the sort of things I'd say the people to think about. So it's, speak to people about the negatives of the job, really, and I spend half my time in an interview trying to tell people about the negatives because it's easy to sell them, right, we're a great company and we've got all these awards and accolades and la, 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 and it's all brilliant, right? Talk to them about the bad times. Yeah, this top. is what you won't like. This okay. And this is the true life stuff, right? Mm-hmm. When your third offer in a row has just gone down, even though you've either physically or mentally spent the commission already, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, my God, um, that car! <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, so find out about the negatives and make sure you're going to be able to th- adapt and cope and thrive in that situation. Look at the training. Uh, to me, that's absolutely crucial. And this is why PSD was such a good company back in the day. Their training was awesome. And they have spun out some excellent people who have gone on to build their own businesses in the local market. Um, And yeah, massive accolades to them for the trainers they were using at the time. And yeah, and be aware. Like I said, marathon, not a sprint. Play the long game. Yeah, you're not going to necessarily make the biggest and best client relationship in one week. It could take months, it could take years. And you've got to approach each situation bearing that in mind, yeah. Nice. Well, David, thank you very much. I hope... The listeners
0: have got a broad understanding of who you are and a little bit about who MRL are. Um, as you said, we are hiring like every other recruitment company. Um, please look on our recruitment website, look at our work for us pages. We've got tons of videos, you can see everything on there as well. David is going to be one of our guests probably every month on the podcast. So he's going to be talking anything from rookie recruitment
1: all the way to how you can bill a million pounds a year that's brilliant thank you for having me Billy appreciate that and if any other listeners out there want us to talk about any specific topics or ask me any personal questions do please get in touch I'm easily contactable I'm on LinkedIn I'm on Zing you'll find me um, at the company most days uh, in one of our offices always happy to talk shop with people either in recruitment or want to get into recruitment but also let us know what topics you want us to cover in future podcasts would be brilliant thank you so everyone thank you much for listening
0: remember to like and share it on all platforms Apple google youtube spotify all the above and keep your ears peeled for our next episode and we'll see you very soon brilliant thanks buddy bye thank you for listening to the honest recruiter podcast don't forget to like share comment and even subscribe keep your ears peeled for the next episode